Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has tons of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. So do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 193 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for uh, Tuesday. I had to think about that one. Uh, hungover. Uh, July 21st, 2020. We are we are still right there in that pandemic, and there are no signs of hope or anything getting better. So Mike and I have created a suicide pact. Isn't that right, Mike? I don't know about that. That's the first time I've heard of this. Oh, I just figured you'd you'd be on board for it. <laughs> uh things uh over at, on my end aren't that bad but um uh the closest i got to anything uh scary was my encounter with a fucking big ass spider so um is that is that would that be in would that fill up one of your jars of fear uh big spiders probably little dinky spiders man whatever daddy long legs man whatever but like the bigger ones yeah yeah i'm i'm a little little freaked out by those um anyway i had to uh i i have things to say if you were it sounded like you were about to segue in. No, I was I was gonna I was gonna try to you know uh, give you uh, some more details about this uh, this spider story. So, oh, go go by all means, we're we're all ears. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I came back from work one day, and uh, I just put my backpack. I was gonna put my actually no, I got a package in the mail, and I just did my normal thing where I go in and I put, throw the package on the bed, and then I saw this big ass fucking spider on my bed crawling around on my comforter and like this is one of the this is honestly probably the biggest spider i've seen in my bedroom so i was i was like what the fuck i, I was i was i was <laughs> dropped everything ran out and i was gonna go get the vacuum and try to suck it up because i have this vacuum where you can take the the uh floor attachment off and you just have the, the hose part where you can suck things up with and I've sucked up spiders with it before. Like they, you, they show up in the corner of the ceiling, and I'm not gonna go up there and try to, you know, scoop it and then knock it down behind my computer desk and then have it be mad at me for the whole night. Um, so I just suck it up with a vacuum. I don't even know if the vacuum would have been able to suck this thing up. I. <laughs> Uh, he might have been able to crawl away from it. But anyway, uh, I decided to get my stepdad to help me because he likes to, you know, catch them and and do the nice thing and let him outside or whatever. But by the time that he got everything ready, the spider was gone. And so I spent a good chunk of that evening after a long day of work stressing out, 
you know, getting getting anxiety, you know, trying, you know, trying to find this fucking spider. And I have a bed that's custom built that's raised up above the ground and there's space underneath it for these totes and stuff that I put things in. Well, so what I what I decided to do, because I already like moved the comfort or moved the, you know, check the sheets, you know, did all that, couldn't find it. Pushed, uh, I uh, pushed my mattress away from the wall, looked behind, couldn't see it there. So then I started taking out totes. And this is in the evening, and it gets dark anyway underneath my bed. So now it was like even darker. So it was some horror movie fucking shit right here, where the only light I had was my the light on my phone. So here I am underneath my bed, which has all these different freaking corners for this spider to hide out in and say hello to my face. So that was uh, admittedly a pretty uh, uh, scary thing. And I, and I couldn't see it, didn't see it under the, under the bed or anything. The next day, um, sometime during that day, I think it was like, uh, later in, in, in the afternoon, I'm home from work and, I noticed that my cat Olympus is acting a little weird. Like he's looking at something and I'm like, what are you looking at? And then, then I remember how he acts when he sees spiders or something like that. And I was like, okay, that's a very uh, familiar kind of thing. Like he's acting that way where he's curious, but then kind of weirded out and doesn't really know what to do. So then I looked over in the direction he was looking at and the, the spider was underneath a box that I had set up and I could see his fucking legs underneath it. Cause this spider was that big where Jesus you could actually Christ. see the legs. So then I, I grabbed the box and just smashed it on a book that I have, uh, which is actually called Halloween from script to scream, which I thought was kind of funny. You know, this big fucking scary spider and then smashed it on top of a, a, a book about a scary movie. And it was significant enough in size that it flew a uh, flew uh, a bit. I'm, I'm trying to at least maybe a, a a foot or whatever onto some other part of my bed. But at that point, it was fucking dead. It was dead as a doornail, and uh, I was instantly relieved at that point because I don't know about you folks, but one of the worst feelings for me is when you have a fucking spider like that or something. You know, whether it's uh, it could be, you know, a mouse or some other fucking thing or in your case, a possum. And, you know, <laughs> you don't know. Well, you usually know, knew where your possum was. But in the case of the spider, like you don't know for sure whether it's gone or whether it went somewhere else. So it's this really just uh, freaky feeling of like not knowing. You know, what's you know, really fun is. is when you smash uh, a spider uh, and I, ch- I, I, you know, I have, I have a pact with uh, insects. If they make their way into my house, uh, it, it, all bets are all off. All bets are off. All bets exactly. are off. You have, <laughs> you have yeah. improperly entered a zone that you were not authorized to be in. So now I'm going to have to use force. And yeah. you know, I try to do it as humanely as possible. For instance, I try to. I try to spray like a roach, for instance, I'll spray it with raid and then I'll uh-huh. smack it with a fly swatter instantly. So, you know, because, man, if you just 
If you just spray an insect with raid, it that fucking I hate that shit. It that raid takes forever to kill the insect. Uh -huh. You literally watch as the roach slowly loses its ability to walk, oh, and then it, it, it. I don't know why they do this, but roaches always like flip over on their back whenever they, uh, like yeah. when when it, when they're in their death throes, mm -hmm. and you literally see that the roach's little head just like like looking like it's gasping for even though they don't breathe through their face, they breathe through holes in their uh, thorax. Uh -huh. um, you can see him just writhing and suffering. It's like, Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. man, even though it's a disgusting insect, it yeah. still has feelings and you know it's like suffering right now. So I try uh -huh. to I try to pick it up and flush it or, you know, get just end it quickly, you know? Um, yeah. And, and but yeah, with with uh, spiders, though, sometimes you'll smash them and then all their babies will run out of their body. Oh, that's man. happened to yeah. me a few times. They're, oh, they're just shit. these little. They they look like little, uh, almost like fleas, because uh -huh. they're my, you know, almost oh, microscopic. Oh yeah, it's that's one of my fears for sure. You know that happening. That didn't happen though. Uh, speaking of spiders, I read something that there is such a thing as a zombie spider. What happens is this particular kind of fungus. It ends up enveloping and like uh, taking over the spider, but. For a certain amount of time, the spider is still like half alive while the fungus is taking, you know, pretty much control and like killing it. Yeah. Jesus, that sounds like an enemy from The Last of Us or something. I know. Yeah. This thing is nightmare fueled, these uh, these uh, fungus spiders. God damn it, man. <laughs> the more I find out about life, the less excited about it. I am. But at the same time, hey, this spider was big, at least for my standards, but nothing compared to the spiders in Australia and some of these other places in the world. Yeah, that's true. I hate when there's like a... I don't know what the fuck I would do with some of those spiders. If, if one of those really big spiders that you see in, in videos, you know? I hate it when a spider... Uh, in Australia. A spider or a roach, like like you're chasing it, you know, with the fly swat or whatever. Uh -huh. and, and then it, it, and that, it's almost like police... I'm, I feel like I'm like the police helicopter and I'm like try I'm like hovering over the fugitive uh -huh. and like they run under the bed and, and they're in the darkness and, and I lose them. That is yeah, see, see, that's exactly what I was talking about. Like you just you don't know where it is. That's it's such just, a feeling of, of dread because now it's like, OK, this now now he's mad and yeah. he is just going to lay low until, you know, eventually I have to just give it up. And go about try to go about my life in my room, knowing that the roach is still in here or the spider or whatever. Yeah. Roaches are the worst though, because they're quick and they'll crawl up on you. Well, I remember that. Uh, yeah, they they creep up on you, creep up on you. Was that a line? From the uh, movie? It's a it's a reference to Creep Show, which oh, okay. uh, uh, there's a segment. The final segment is called "They're Creeping Up on You," and there's this asshole business guy named Upton Pratt, who he's a super germaphobe. And uh, he hates bugs, and so he gets his comeuppance by just just tons and tons of roaches that uh, infest his home, and then ultimately infest him. Oh, how yeah. how dramatic! It, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty gruesome because they actually used real roaches in 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 uh, that segment. Oh God! And uh, there's a lot of them. Shit. And then there's a sequence in the end where roaches start, you know, pouring out of his dead body. Gross. Yeah. So I have a an, uh, another life update. Um, 
I ha- I guess I've made it through the storm, as it were. I got tested. I got tested Thursday for COVID nineteen, and I got the results yesterday, and they were negative. So no hey. no more coronavirus for me. But I have had it now, so hopefully I have some kind of defense against it. Um, I was talking to the nurse practitioner or whatever the hell. And I was asking them at the care spot that I was getting the test on. And I was like, hey, can we do like the antibody test, you know, to see if I have any like antibodies built up against this. And he actually told me that uh, they weren't doing those antibody tests anymore because they were unreliable. And uh. they uh, they be- they were getting all kinds of weird, you know, like unreliable results. And they don't huh. even they, they weren't even sure if that was like a uh, like a thing that you know whatever the hell so you know weird um, so i was like well is there any chance that i like built up something to where i won't get this again he's like no he's like i've heard of people getting it again just like you would get the flu like just like you can get the flu every year it's the same thing and uh, and when he broke it down like that it's like oh okay that makes sense so i'm probably Uh not gonna get it again like next week but Maybe, you know, in a couple months or something, I might, you know. If- well, I mean, it's uh, there have been cases, but I don't think it's as common as some people make it out to be. So it's not as mm-hmm. it's. And some of the things that I've read about, like the, the new, you know, they got it again. It seemed like the test that they did was not really the best. And so that's why it looked like they got it again. But they. Yeah, just- no, that's what was going on with South Korea, because a yeah. lot of people were. That a lot of that info about people being able to get it three and four times was coming out of South Korea, but they were saying they didn't know how good the testing was there, and it they might yeah. have you know might have tested a false negative or something like that when they still actually had the disease the uh, virus still at least had had some remnants of it you know because there could be some tests that are actually seeing that when when they do it they find the virus but it's it's technically not active yeah but and it's in there it, there's there's like a yeah, there's like a virus, you know, corpse or, you know, something left behind. Yeah, it, yeah and they, they're they saying that the the best way, because uh, the Chinese, I think, were doing this, they wouldn't let their the patients leave the hospital unless their uh, fecal matter tested negative for having uh, any of the COVID, because they say it can lie dormant in your intestines or something. Wow. I, I don't know, dude. It's fucking crazy. But anyway, no more COVID That's for me. That's some serious shit. Uh, it is some serious shit. Um, I, I, <laughs> honestly, I'm I'm gl- this this could be f- some famous last words right here. Uh, I'm I'm kind of glad that I got it and got it out of the way. So now I've had it, and you know, hopefully, I'm better. You know, like as far as immunities yeah. go, hopefully, I'm better. You're for still it. you're still following, you know, the protocols and stuff like that when you go out, right? You're wearing that mask. Oh yeah, and dude, doing all that. Let me just say, like, Jacksonville went from, like, and I think I think this the whole of the United States has pretty much done this. um, But Jacksonville was like pretty fuck the mask shit back in in the early days of this. And now every time I go out, pretty much everybody's finally gotten on board with the masks. And um, our mayor said today on TV that the, uh, you know, he was cautiously optimistic because it looked like our numbers were finally going down for Jacksonville. Well, I mean, in New York City, there's been no COVID deaths. So, you know, that's yeah. pretty good news for New, for New York. Over here, we're still getting cases in Clark County. We're still getting people. Um, I think we're still having people who are all like, I don't need to wear a mask because, you know, whatever. Insert political belief, right. blah, blah, blah. And... 
I see. I don't see that many people who go come to uh, work, and you know, customers that come into the store that aren't wearing masks. But we still get some. Uh, I I saw one when I went to Winco, the grocery store, and the guy just walks in, no mask, ignores every. There are so many signs when you go to walk into Winco, like everywhere, like you can't miss these signs. Well, I'm glad that there seems to be, and this is going to sound like communist boy over here, but like I'm kind of glad that there's that because before there wasn't much social pressure to do it, but now I'm glad that there's finally kind of some social pressure. You know, you're kind of like shunned, and you're kind of getting the stink eye anytime. Well, you should. Yeah, and and that's this is this this should not be. You got to look at some of the other countries and how they've handled this. Like, and they've handled the way that they've handled it with more with people wearing masks and taking all these precautions has made it so things have actually gotten better. We have we've just had more spikes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like- the United States is just <laughs> embarrassing at, compared to the other countries when it comes to how this has been handled. And I mean. So many people with their conspiracy theories or people thinking that it's a, it's not that big of a deal or blah, 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 blah. It's and like, do you honestly... Uh, oh, God, I hear I hear those conspiracy theories all the time around here. I hear people telling me they don't think it's real. I hear people telling me this, that, and the other. And I'm like, dude... And now you're like, it's, da- it's real. Uh, it's damn real. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I'll be honest, you know, again, I was kind of a jackass about... Like I have a, re- I had a really bad take on it when it first came out. I was like, uh-huh. you know, everyone's so concerned about this panic demic, and everyone's blowing it way out of proportion. And that was in like late March, you know. So how the yeah. fuck was I supposed to know, uh-huh. you know? And but yeah, I was that jackass that wasn't social distancing and wasn't wearing a mask, and I got it, and it wasn't the end of the world, and I got over it. And um, but you wouldn't recommend it. No, though. I wouldn't recommend it. But <laughs> at the same time, it's like it's it's like getting a flu, like when you're a kid, you know, you get you know, you always get sick with everything when you're a kid because you have no built up yeah. immunity, and then you get sick, you don't die, you know. Yeah. I mean, you could. Well, not- I I saw so I saw something that was speaking of you know COVID. Uh, someone had shared a Facebook post. It was actually a Twitter um, thing, and I thought it was actually kind of interesting that. You know, there's a lot of bouncers that are out of work right now. What if uh, these places of business hired these bouncers to do their job and basically t- kick out people who aren't wearing masks? So then they could be all disagreeable all they want to, and the bouncers would just be like, "Get yeah. out," like they do with you know bar you know people who come to the bar and are, are belligerent. Right. Yeah, I want to say I feel like I heard about that being actually a thing that was going on at at some point. I don't know, but um. Yeah, so I mean, it it it's like, dude, why, you know, if the government's, if this is the f- phase one of the government telling people what to do, like, it's like these people out there who think that the government has this like ultimate plan, and this has been going on for decades now, like these conspiracy oh, yeah. theorists, like, when exactly is the government rolling out this ultimate plan of like controlling your life and taking your guns and like when exactly is that going to happen because you've been talking about for like 50 years now and it I hasn't mean, happened anything, yet if anything gun control <laughs> things have completely flipped right now and that's a whole other story yeah. but uh yeah it, it's it, things are crazy that's just that's just this year on you know, a smaller a fucking on a smaller level i have some karen bitching to do oh right now okay uh, 
I am going on a rant right now. I am fucking sick of everything not working right since this shit has been going on. The fucking ATM at my Bank of America is always broken now. It can't take cash and... The ATM on the inside oh, yeah. of the building never worked. I can't get inside. It's not recognizing my card, and it take it's taken everyone forever to fix shit. They fucking huh. discontinued my vanilla orange Coke Zero uh, flavor that I loved. And Mel- well, I can't find Mellow Yellow either in yeah, any of they, my local stores. They considered and Golden Grams of all fucking things. Golden Grams cereal. All the shit that's like considered specialty items and this extends to taco bell and mcdonald's mcdonald's uh, aren't selling their crunch wraps anymore starting in august uh taco you mean bell taco bell huh because mcdonald's never sold crunch wraps oh yeah t- no i'm sorry uh, uh, uh <laughs> wait um what the fuck is it that snack wrap that's what i was thinking of the snack wrap was it was it that funny mike was it that funny i i, I thought i thought it was okay it was, it was just you're you're easily those- amused uh, uh, but anyway, uh, starting in August, Taco Bell's going to uh, pare down a lot of their quote unquote specialty items. And, and it's just like, I'm, dude, I'm fucking sick of all this, man. It's so annoying. And I know I sound like a first world Karen right now, but uh, yeah, you know, well, it's kind of like the people who are uh, saying things about the chain shortage. And I've heard conspiracy theor- theories about that, too. They're going to get rid of all cash and they're going to make it all digital. And they're going to give us the mark of the beast and oh, put God. chips in us. Yeah, man, anytime <laughs> there's any like sweeping innovation, uh, you all, all these paranoid Christians come out of the woodwork. Not not all Christians, but, you know, some of these paranoid Bible thumpers come out of the woodwork and they're like, oh, Revelation already predicted this, said it was We're getting ever so closer. Yeah, again, again, they've been saying <laughs> that since I was five years old, like, uh-huh. Uh, 26 years ago. There was books that, you know, these uh, paranoid Christians published in, in the fucking 70s and 80s that were predicting, you know, the end of the world. The year 2000 like ago. W- was was like the big deal. And then when, yeah, September, then when September 11th happened, oh my God. If And this year, oh, now they're, you know. Oh, just, yeah. Which, I mean, they might be onto something. Sure. They might be onto something this year, honestly. I think God might be coming back with all this bullshit that's happening. I, 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 don't, I don't even. Know. I don't even I believe think, in God, and, I think, and I'm like, I think with fuck? this, I think, I think honestly, I've I've read about scientists. I've read about you know what they've been talking about when it comes to this particular uh, pandemic, and they've been saying that we've been due for one for a long, long time. So it's just all right. Now we've got it again. Now we've got to deal with it. Um, and uh, I think there's also this other stuff that's, you know, boiling to the surface. Um, but I think there's been, I, I still think there's some good things that have happened. I think relationships, you know, uh, have been strengthened in a lot of ways uh, with, you know, people's loved ones and their friends and their family. Um, in some ways that they, they might have been, you know, hurt because of some of the stuff that's going on. But uh, I think for the most part, at least from my personal experience, uh, I've, I've noticed, you know, a, a tighter bond. Um, and from an incredibly superficial you know, thing, as somebody who, you know, likes Unsolved Mysteries, we have more Unsolved Mysteries cases to talk about because there's a new Unsolved Mysteries. And uh, there's also other, you know, cool, you know, things for, you know, nostalgic, you know, people like all of these, you know, 
boutique Blu-ray and DVD releases that are coming out this year. <laughs> that, um, is, that is something that uh, that is very specific to you, I feel. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but there's also there's also some people who uh, listen to this podcast uh, who you know they would they would agree with me on that. Now, I have some friends when they release the uh, you said uh, like they're releasing these Blu-rays of like older movies or harder to find yeah. movies. Now, mm-hmm. now, are they always upscaling it to the the HD footage, or or is it? Have you ever had an experience where you bought a Blu-ray, but it was clearly just a shitty 480p, just standard? I haven't had that yet. Um, that is something that I think happened more with DVD, like well, where yeah. you just get like some lazy VHS rip onto a disc. Yeah, but with Blu-ray, especially with these boutique releases, the worst you'll get is the same release, the same transfer that was on a previous Blu-ray release. Uh, that's the worst that you'll get. You won't really get a 480p unless that's like the best quality that they possibly had. Which usually, and I don't think I've really yeah. bought anything official like that. I bought bootlegs that have that quality, like my Beavis and Butthead oh, God. A bootleg set. Oh, God. But, not the one that you, that you had recorded off the dude, fucking TV. Dude, oh my god! I don't. But, so I might have already <laughs> told this story on here, but I love Beavis and Butthead. It's uh, you know, yeah. There's some the oh, earlier. Speaking of that, did you hear about they're gonna bring the show back again? Again? Yeah, Mike Judge is involved, I, and I MTV's uh, MTV is allowing uh, Comedy Central. Comedy Central is gonna be the one. Oh, there. thank God! Thank God, MTV has nothing to do with that. Because that, I think MTV was the downfall. Like, when it came back the first time, I think MTV was the downfall. Well, yeah, I think think they they just got in Judge's way, and then he was like, fuck it, I'm going to take my show back. Right, I think so, too. But anyway, Beavis and Butthead was uh, one of my favorite shows as a teenager. They played a bunch of the reruns, because I wasn't old enough. Well, I was old enough. I was a kid when it was first on TV, and my mom wouldn't let me and my brother watch it, because my mom was still in Christian mode back then Mm -hmm. she was trying to be the quote-unquote responsible adult and whatever and there was all these stories in the news about the kid who burned his house down and killed his younger sister because he watched beavis and butthead and you know beavis was like fire fire all the time and that Uh apparently inspired whatever but anyway um so i watched the reruns as a teenager and we'll be getting to more of me as a teenager later on in this podcast with the perks of being a josh flower so get excited for that but um so when I got old enough, finally, they stopped, they stopped showing the reruns on um, whatever channel they used to show it on. And I, I got really pissed off about that. VH1? I don't know which one it was. Probably MTV2 or something. Yeah, like probably MTV2. So anyway, this, this um, bootleg uh, on this uh, website called like tvshows.com. And I couldn't believe my eyes because they had box sets of every episode of Doug, Rugrats, Rocco's Modern Life. All these releases that were not official. And so I'm like, and this was before, like, YouTube was really... But you didn't know that they were not official, right? Did you, Or did you know? I just thought through... I, I don't know. Like, I, I was more naive back then. And I was like, oh, well, maybe these were sanctioned in, a, in some, some European country and they never made it to the U.S. or whatever. So maybe it's legit. Oh, yeah. I didn't... Like, I was naive in the internet. And YouTube especially wasn't as robust as it is now to where you could... You know, so basically a DVD of all the Beavis and Butthead episodes was like a huge deal back then. And I was like, wow, it's crazy. So I ordered it. It took forever to get to my fucking house. And then I finally got it. And literally the quality ranged from like just like 
240p all the way down to <laughs> literally somebody placing their fucking camcorder in front of their television and would record the episode like that. Like that, that honestly sounds like the way that Beavis and Butthead would make bootlegs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So I was so fucking disappointed that that's what I waited all that time for. And, you know, that that just really that was like an awful experience. I couldn't believe that. that and it was I think it was like almost like 50 bucks, too. So like they really Damn, yeah, man. they really gypped me on that. And then the King Turd collection came out and I was happy again. Um, but anyway, so before we go on to Unsolved Mysteries, I have one quick little bar story from last night that some of you might find amusing because uh, I, f- I feel like some of you out there find my um, my my misfortunes um, humorous. So uh, I was at a bar last night. The reason how they're able to get around that is they have these little trays of like the cheapest little plastic, you know, the trays that you get from a baseball game or something at a concession stand with the those cheap circular nachos. Uh, and the salsa, like those huge industrial sized bags of nachos, just the worst quality and whatever. They have those out all over the place at this bar. So if an inspector comes in, technically there's food here. So this is a restaurant, quote unquote. It's uh, that's how uh, some places have been getting around having to close down. But, you know, you just you still have to, like, do all this song and dance. When you walk in, you have to wear a mask. But then when you order, you can take your mask off and drink your beer. It's just all this craziness. And I think people are just kind of staying home anyway until the ban gets lifted. So there's not really a lot of people there like there normally is. So anyway, for me as a social creature, it's better than nothing. So I still go. And I was there last night and I was... Uh, at this table but there was a lot of people there so I was I had to pull up a chair and I was kind of sitting behind my friend Harvey and um I was talking to this chick named Kimmy and uh you know she's pretty hot so I was like pretty happy to be talking to her and maybe get to know her or whatever but she's kind of like high energy and just my energy level did not match hers and I just found myself feeling awkward and I didn't really know what to say to her and but we finally struck up a conversation and her and Harvey are like super close. Like, I don't know what their exact relationship is. I know they're not dating, but I don't know if she likes him or whatever. But anyway, like I'm drinking a beer and I've never really done this before. But like in mid drink of the beer, I like cough. And Ooh. obviously that's not good because that's air expelling from your uh, throat. <laughs> and I had a uh-huh. mouthful of beer <laughs> and consequently <laughs> a plume of beer spittle went all Ooh. all in the back of Harvey and even landed on his fucking phone. Oh, God. It was a complete accident, a complete goof, like when you swallow air or whatever. What, like, I'm saying you specifically because I've never done that, but... Oh, that, that, is, that is horrible. Like, that's happened... Be- that, and this was really my fault, though, but it's pretty embarrassing and a similar sort of thing. I was at a family reunion, and I think I was drinking some water or something, and I got a you know an itch in my throat, and I needed to cough. And yeah. instead of like you know swallowing or you know doing whatever, like I just coughed, and then just water uh-huh. you know just spilled everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, I got I got admonished by my parents, and yeah, like know, what the so fuck is so that, forth. man? Like, because as soon as that happened to me, I was like, oh shit! And like as soon as that happened, Kimmy goes, "What the fuck, dude? That was so fucked up." <laughs> And she starts, like, getting on to me like I, like, 
She didn't even say did it on purpose. Yeah, she didn't even <laughs> say anything funny. So it wasn't like I was doing like a spit take or anything. Like she was literally just talking about whatever. And uh, I just had that random cough. And I was like, you know, I, I apologized to Harvey. I was like, dude, I, you know, you know, I would never do that to you. Like that was an accident. And he's like, I know it was, you know, I'm not upset about it. And Harvey was totally fine about the whole thing. She, on the other hand, I guess feeling like she needed to, to defend Harvey's honor or something, got a mouthful of beer spit it on me i kind of moved out of the way a little bit a little bit still got on me and she felt like that wasn't good enough so she went and she did it again and this time it got all on my shirt all my pants and i'm like dude what the fuck man that was an accident like fuck you like you're oh my god you're a fucking dickhead and and she was like you know rah 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 and so i just like walked out of the bar and fucking went home like that was literally like that, that was so embarrassing for me that that i did that first of all and then second of all for her to react that way like you're a cunt like so if you ever meet anyone named kimmy in jacksonville i'm not gonna say her last (laughs) name but uh her hair is of a certain color that rhymes with turkle um (laughs) she's a cunt she really she didn't have to do that like that was an asshole thing of her to do and i i'm not expecting an apology because, see, the thing is, is the people that I hang out with around here in this artsy-fartsy sector of Jacksonville, everybody is so fucking sensitive out here that, like, anything you say, you risk, like, offending someone. And I feel like I'm constantly having to apologize to people, left and right. Like, I feel like Larry David all the time. I'm constantly get doing something uh, on accident, and I'm having to apologize. But nobody ever apologizes to me. Nobody ever, oh, I'm sorry, I was a dick, I was in the wrong, I'm apologizing to everybody else, no one's ever apologizing to me, you know, no one else is ever in the wrong, it's only me, so I'm getting fucking sick of my network of acquaintances out Uh, here. I mean, you know, I I feel you, not in the same sort of, uh, you know, extreme, but I I deal with that on certain online forums, where I've apologized many times when, you know, I take things too far, or, you know, stuff like that, and actually, you know am humble and and say hey you know i messed up but rarely ever see the same thing with some of these the same with uh the other posters in in these forums yeah and in particular when you point out their behavior when you point out that they are as guilty of the things that they are accusing you of they never admit it right not once do they admit that they are yeah because you're you're just surrounded by a bunch of narcissists uh, you know who just literally only care about they're only looking out for number one fucking perfect case in point when that chick fell through my drum set that one night like Uh she kurt cobained herself into my drum set uh (laughs) i was the asshole because of how i reacted to her falling into my drum set she wasn't in the wrong i was the asshole that's bullshit because of like that's your drum set like that's probably expensive my parents got my parents bought it for me when i was uh you know for my uh when i was 12 years old for christmas it was like my first real musical instrument oh so there's a nostalgia oh yeah totally yeah she could have totally ruined it she wouldn't have given a fuck that's my that's what i'm talking about like i'm surrounded by these sensitive little snowflakes that like where I can invite someone to my house, they can be irresponsibly drunk, crash into my shit, and yet somehow I'm the asshole. And yet when someone spits beer on me because I accidentally coughed on beer on Harvey, uh, I'm the asshole again. 
You know, it's just, I, you know, it's just like a no win. I, so I'm, I'm really getting tired of. You feel like riding Dangerfield. <laughs> I'm just getting tired of this network of people in my life. I want new. You got no respect. I want new people. I, want, I really do. I want like a new group of people in my life because I'm really sick of all these super sensitive little artsy. And, and you know, they, they say they get their little tattoos and all this, but none of them are actual artists. Like none of them do shit with their lives. They're all working these like fucking dead end restaurant jobs and bar jobs and shit. And none of them are creating anything or doing anything of value. They just sit there and get overly offended at everything and do drugs. Sick of it. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna become a Christian <laughs> and I'm gonna join like a Christian youth group. That's what I'm gonna do. At 31 years old, I'm gonna join a youth group and just hang out with a bunch of goody two shoes. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not gonna do that, Josh. Or maybe I'll join a like a, a like a, a, a Republican, the Young Republicans Club, uh, because you know they're 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 the exact opposite end of the spectrum of. Uh, you know, being easily offended. Well, no, that's not true. Actually, uh, it's funny because uh, conservatives accuse the left of being snowflakes. But yet, if you say anything about Trump or this, that and the other, it's quickly it's, it's funny how quick they get offended. So it's like, I don't know. Everyone's so full of shit. Anyway, let's get to some mysteries because I feel like I've blabbered it, on plenty. Yeah, plenty it, it's almost like the the uh, perks of being a Josh Flower, uh, the adult uh, yeah uh, right version. no it's it's true <laughs> only this time i'm not bitching about being fat in fact i'm my lowest weight that i've been in uh quite a while so i'm pretty happy i am finally starting to lose good some for weight. you yeah so anyway. so uh this is a podcast about unsolved mysteries trust us yeah you and, wouldn't think uh, so from the 30 minute long <laughs> fucking opening <laughs> segment jesus christ well it's been like a uh what we we missed a, a week like 10, so 10 we days since we've yeah we had a lot to catch up on yeah so anyway, uh, the first case is of Philip Taylor Kramer, who was the bass player for uh, Iron Butterfly. Finally, I have an opportunity to talk about Iron Butterfly. I have waited four years on this podcast to talk about Iron Butterfly. And let me tell you, man. Here in the God of the freedom, baby. Don't you know that I love you? No, I'm just joking. I haven't actually been waiting to talk about iron butterfly <laughs> only they are known as a uh they're like one of the not one of the first one hit wonders but they were amongst uh yeah some of the early one hit wonder bands they're just known for the in gata davida song right which wasn't that in uh natural born killers i think or some other it's been it's been used in a bunch yeah of movies. i mean it's it's a killer song I, I think it's a great song i don't even typically i don't honestly think it's a great song i think it's got a good hook and if the song is too fucking long, man, like if you've seen the running time of that track. Well, dude, you go into it. You don't go into it like it's a pop song. You go into it like I'm about to have an ex- a musical experience. I'm about to go. Oh, on. Yeah, I know. I like Pink Floyd songs that are long. Yeah, but, I'm know, about to go on a journey. I mean, the unabashed solos in that song. They had. Yeah, they had an organ solo. They had a guitar solo. But most impressively. And I would say kind of innovatively, if that's a word, it is now. They had a fucking drum solo on a song. You know how fucking oh, yeah. you know how rare it is to have like a studio recording of a song and there's a drum solo in it? That like almost never happens. There are some examples where that has kind of happened, but there's literally a full-fledged like like three or four minute section of the song that is just a drum solo. And I uh-huh. I I thought it was a 
a good solo because it told a story. You know, it has like it was it was cool it was catchy even though it was just drums i think it was you know yeah i i don't i don't think it's a bad song by any means and the organ stuff that that the creepy organ parts in that song like it really gets to this part in the song where the organs get really sinister sounding and the guitar player is taking his guitar pick and he's running out the strings making these like scratchy these evil like like cat scratchy sounds Uh it's it's just a really uh interesting track but yeah that was kind of um when they first came out in like the the late 60s they had another song that was kind of a hit but it's one of those things that when when a band first comes out a lot of their songs get played on the radio uh but you know usually only one of the songs is the one that sticks around like for instance yeah uh, in the 90s, Elton John had this album called The One, and there was a song that was always on the radio off that album called Simple Life, and I thought it w- it had this this weird but cool little harmonica riff that was like the main riff in the song. And, I, and for the longest time, I was like, I, I almost thought I imagined it because I, I could not find this song anywhere, and I finally heard it uh, on some Elton John uh, documentary I was watching. I was like, there's that song. And it, what, yeah. what it was is when the album came out, the main hit song was called The One, the same name of the album. And that's the one that makes it on to the greatest hits packages and all that. But Simple Life was like almost like a B-side or a secondary hit. It wasn't as uh-huh. it wasn't popular enough to make it on any greatest hits packages. But, you know, anyone who's a fan of, you know, anyway. So Iron Butterfly, Inagata Vita, Taylor Kramer played bass for them. Yeah, well... Um... When it comes to that song, I, I'm not a super big fan of it, but uh, I, I do appreciate it and I do respect its um, its contributions to the music, uh, you know, genre in particular, uh, you know, heavy metal because there's actually a lot of uh, influence, early influences, the heavy metal in in this particular track. Um, but yeah, he was the bass player for uh, that band, Iron Butterfly. So in later years, he was a computer engineer who co-founded Total Multimedia Incorporated and Soft Video Incorporated in 1990. He also married and had two children, and in 1994, he grew emotionally distraught as his companies went bankrupt and were reorganized. Yeah, that would uh, cause some emotional distress, to say the least. Slightly. Like, not just one company, both companies. So uh, he ultimately wound up disappearing, uh, and uh, his uh, wife had been uh, apparently <clears throat> noticing that he was working uh, really hard on this br- new breakthrough project of his uh, that was apparently some kind of program or software where you could use a computer program, you would put a... Uh, uh, a picture of a of a missing child, for instance, into this program, and then it would be able to find that child in the fra- within a fraction of a second. Um, which is a little sounds very science fiction, doesn't it? Even for that, especially for that time period, that sounds like a movie thing. Yeah, like not reality. Yeah, it's it's like those scenes in the movies where it's like um, they they catch someone on security camera. And they do this movie thing that only exists in movies where it and go, TV shows too. Yeah, it goes zoom in on that person, and they zoom in, and their face is all grainy, and it goes, and they say enhance, 
and he presses a button and all, now all of a yeah. sudden his face is all HD. It's like, yeah, uh, that that technology doesn't that doesn't exist. That's only that's only a movie thing. There's no if a if a picture is inherently shitty and grainy, you cannot zoom in on something and hit a, an enhance button and then it just all all of a sudden restores those pixels that were never even there in the picture to begin no. with. But yeah, that that technology no. it sounds yeah, back then that was like like future science fiction shit but now i mean that's honestly they probably already have that technology at this point i would think maybe but i don't think it would be that accurate about finding the person in a fraction of a second uh because he says imagine jennifer a computer and a camera being able to find a missing child in a sea of thousands of people by just showing the computer a small piece of that child's face and then finding that child in a fraction of a second and speaking of uh you know, cinematic or, or movies. I, I thought the reenactment here was really well done. Um, in particular, I thought the actor they chose to play Philip, I thought he did a good job with his performance. With the few lines of dialogue that he had, I really think he uh, did uh, the best he possibly could with it. So according to Jennifer, Taylor's behavior grew more and more bizarre, and this was leading up to his disappearance. Uh, the day before dis- he disappeared... Uh, she's quoted here. We went on a hike to the top of the hill by our house and we looked across and you could see the and a whole valley where we live. And uh, there's a co- cross up on the hill that belongs to one of the colleges nearby. And he turned around and he pointed the cross and he said, look, honey, our house is right in the path of this cross. And then she was like, he started to see sacredness and everything. And what I mean by the the acting by the by this uh, performer in this particular segment that's noteworthy is like in this particular scene, because like, they're establishing that he's really starting to kind of slip. And so he's talking about, Oh, you know, the Lord has sent me here and we, you know, he's got something wonderful, you know, in store for us and for all of us. And then he's talking about the cross and, you know, and that definitely is something that, uh, really hit close to home for me. Because, uh, you know, as, as, as you might have heard, what I might have, I've, I've talked about it in the past about, you know, my step, my stepdad and, you know, and how he's gone through, you know, some mental breakdowns and stuff like that. And so there were moments where he would, he would see sacredness and everything. And, you know, so, so I definitely like, feel. What's an example of that, that your stepdad would do? Like, like, like some, somehow, like, like a pattern in the sky, he'd be like, oh, that's Jesus's eyeball looking at me or some shit like that. Yeah, some weird stuff like that. And, and, and a lot of the times he, you know, he would start to actually see things and he would start to see himself as this, you know, sacred, you know, savior. Like I remember particularly I was watching Blade Runner 2049. And so he would see sacredness in the, in uh, Ryan Gosling's character. And that was pretty awkward. I don't know if you want and, this to be weird. on record or not, but I, I I don't remember if we discussed this on the podcast or if this was just... I have. No, I have no, what I'm about the to... The thing I'm about to say, and I can always edit it out, but didn't you say something like at one point he wanted to impregnate your mom because he felt like he was going to create the next uh, savior or something like that? Yeah, there is something like that. God, that's weird. Yeah. But yeah, he was I mean, he's, that's just... he's schizophrenic though, right? I think there is some some aspects of that, but uh, he's doing way he's doing so much better now. He's gotten the right medicine, you know. He's doing really well, so he's a good story of somebody who has been able to to find uh, balance again. 
And that's that's really why I even decided to talk about it the last time. And why I'm still willing to talk about it is to show that, you know, there is hope, there is light at the end of the tunnel. If you have someone in your life that you care about that is going through something like that. I'm I'm just surprised that they have like um medication out that can bring someone back to sanity so much because you know, back in the day, they'd just be like, "Well, you're fucking nuts," and you're just throw you in an institution. And there's no, well, yeah. no hope for well, you. Well, we we also, you know, uh, I don't necessarily 100 percent believe in a higher power, but there is some some definite fortunate things that happen, you know, and in, in terms of being able to get him back, you know, they, he, you know, there was a lot of things that really fell into place that you know I could see why some people might see as as being uh, an example of a miracle. Um, and it's just one of those things that, yeah, it is pretty amazing the advancements that they've made in medicine and, and and stuff like that. But that's that's only if you can, you know, get the person back, you know, and and actually get them, you know, to take this medicine or or you know get you know bring them back from you know the brink of of you know insanity. Um, and that doesn't always happen. And I think with uh. I honestly, I think with Philip, he definitely had a mental breakdown. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. There's no other. The, there's no other uh, explanation for that. I feel like Unsolved was, Mysteries was like the show to cover mental breakdowns. Like no show. I think a lot of shows like that were similar to Unsolved Mysteries. They were like we're not gonna. Go they don't. There, they didn't. You know, they didn't right? really want to touch it. But Unsolved Mysteries was uh-huh. like, ooh, give us that case. You know, we'll take that. Because, like, there was that one uh, girl who... Oh, yeah, the girl who got lost in the woods yeah, or something. Yeah, she drove her car. She got all excited, like, overly excited, fantasizing about this guy and, like, got lost in the woods and, like, just, like, walked away from her car. And, you know, the, uh, uh, then you got Cindy James, of course, that that very uh-huh. infamous case. And Unsolved Mysteries just really did... Uh, that was and, and Well, then you have the amnesia ones where people, you know... Right. ...lose their memory. Right. So that that's... Sh- the, the, the original Unsolved Mysteries just handled breakdown cases really good. And I almost feel like that could be its own, like, category uh, uh, uh-huh. on there. Is like... <laughs> they probably wouldn't want to call it that, but, you know, because it's probably not yeah. totally the politically correct way of saying it. No. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's what added to the creepiness of the show, too, as a kid, because... I would watch Unsolved Mysteries and hear about these really crazy things like the trucker, uh, his name's on the tip, yeah, that tip one. of my tongue, who mm-hmm. drove his fucking semi out to this like camp area and was like striking a $20 bill with a rock. And, you know, it, it, he just completely lost his fucking mind. And seeing that as a kid, I was like, uh, what? Like, this is a, yeah. you know, because I didn't know that, I didn't know people could like, like lose their marbles like that when i was a kid i didn't think that was a possibility and then when i watched unsolved mysteries i realized that oh life is a lot stranger than what i thought it was because like you can actually go crazy and i think ever since then that that's been like a huge fear of mine is a lot of it i well i i mean i think it could be a huge fear for a lot of people even if they don't admit it the you know the fear of going crazy (laughs) yeah i mean really it's it's really it's for me it's a loss uh, a, a complete lack of control that's what I'm yeah. really afraid of, you know, because if you're crazy, that, you're not in control. No. And, and then uh, the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, the amnesia thing. That's another like, what if, you know, everything just is gone. And a lot of the times there are instances where people do come back from these breakdowns and they do have memory loss. 
Do you think that could be like a, um, a double-edged sword, though, in, in, in the sense that it's like it could be a, maybe a, a positive thing in some small way? Because, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone out there listening to this has something they'd like to forget about and <laughs> not have as a memory. Yeah, but but here's the thing, though. Uh, the, the other good memories, all the other positive yeah, things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess I guess you gone. would you would probably have more good memories than bad. And then all of the people that you knew and that knew you, you don't know them anymore. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I, I guess double edged sword wouldn't be the term, but I guess I should say silver lining. Uh, if there's a silver, a very slim, a very tiny very slim silver yeah. lining. <laughs> like like say you spend a lot of time around your family, a sliver of a silver yes, lining. <laughs> you recover. Say you recover memories of your family, but you don't. You know, there's other stuff that happened to you that okay. you don't remember. But that doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. Normally, yeah. Unless there's like a piece of your, you know, where your brain that gets damaged or whatever. Yeah. That's, that um, was, that's what Eternal Sun Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is about, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen that one? I've heard of that I one. Can't I can't believe you've never seen Why, why the only movies I have seen, you <laughs> have not seen? Why is that, why is that a thing? Well, that's not necessarily true. It but, seems like yeah. a lot of the movies I've seen, you haven't even seen. Well, I could say the same uh, <laughs> for me when it comes to you. So this marriage is a sham. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, he definitely had a mental breakdown. Um, and the day after the hike, Taylor left home around nine o'clock in the morning. He planned to pick up uh, friends who were flying into town. Taylor went to the airport as scheduled, but left before his friends arrived. From his car, he made a series of phone calls. One of the calls was Dire and Butterfly drummer Ron uh, Bushy. He's quoted here. His voice sounded stressed and scared, like maybe he'd even been crying. I don't know. But apparently he also called Jennifer and a lot of other people. Uh, during Taylor's call to Jennifer, he told her that he would not be able to meet his friends at the airport. Jennifer also said that he told her that he would always be with her. I said, Taylor, where are you? Where are you going? What are you doing? And she was like, I started to get scared and I thought something was wrong with him. And she actually said, like, I'm not going to see him again like at that moment she knew like he's not gonna be at the hotel yeah it was like an instinct and, like this like and she was right well because you know she had been witnessing all of his odd behavior leading up to that so you know and now like he's on his own you know he's driving around in his own car doing all this other stuff and uh since we since this is kind of a tradition for our podcast uh his wife pretty hot Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, uh, <laughs> that was the most that was the most unconvincing uh, uh, agreement I've ever heard. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be polite. Oh no, man! I just, I just, I, I have to point out the beauty in women. I can't help myself. Mm-hmm. I love, I love women. I love their, their. So I, I like to point out the beauty in films or in great television shows well, you, like you, Unsolved Mysteries. You can't. Hold and cuddle a, a film at night, Mike, and kiss. No, and kiss I know, on the film's I know. Ear, no, and then can't. eventually make love to the film. Well, I guess you could nope. make love to the film. It'd be painful though, because yeah, those, I'm not doing those that. holes in the DVD <laughs> in the middle. They're not really big <laughs> oh enough. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Unless you're a real pencil dick, then then they're fine. Holy shit! Yeah, gone off the rails. So. uh this is gonna be a really weird transition. <laughs> Sorry, uh, my bad. But uh, so yeah, he went missing. 
Uh, Jennifer also uh, said that Taylor told her to meet his friends at the hotel. Um, And she's quoted here again, and this is basically, he's talking about her gut feeling really calmly and lovingly like he normally talks to me. He said, when I see you, honey, I have a big surprise for you. But I knew in my gut that Taylor wasn't going to be at the hotel. I just knew that he wouldn't be there. And he wasn't. They actually, uh, apparently he did call 911. And they played the 911 call. And that and that's a really intense uh, call. It, it's not the kind of thing where it's like, oh my God, you know, like the screaming and whatever. But like it's in, intense in a different way where it's this visceral, like uh, this guy is off the deep end. Yeah. I mean, she's, uh, you know, 911. How can, you know, what's your emergency? Or how can, you know, how can we help you? I think she said, how can we help you? Or can't, how, you know, can I help you? And, uh-huh. and he goes, yeah, you can. I'm going to kill myself. And she's like, uh, you know, she asked him something else after that and he just didn't answer. Yeah. Which uh, kind of begs a question like, what, you know, why did he, maybe, maybe he was calling 911 just to like let, officials know that he was going to kill himself and you know or maybe that was a moment that was a break in you know with his sanity you know where he had like a moment where he had some recollection of something and you know his his, his sanity was back but he knew that it wasn't going to last long so he called 911 it was like uh, i'm going to kill myself and sometimes i've heard that that can kind of happen where these people are in these like really heavy mental breakdowns and they have this like lull this moment where they kind of like snap out of it i was like me when i was like when i was high like a month ago uh i i would have i would try to pull i would try to pull my sanity together and get out of this like high ass state and i'd try to like feel normal and for like two or three seconds i'd be like all right i'm back to normal and then before i knew it i'd be ranting or talking about some crazy shit again and i'm like damn it like I want this out of my system. I hate this feeling so much. Uh-huh. So, uh don't take uh heavy uh <laughs> heavy drugs. Yeah. Well, cuz cuz you you and your anxiety, I know. you know. I, and I think really with mental breakdowns and with the brain period. The brain is a lot like any other uh organ in the body. You put stress onto it and it's going to cause problems. Yeah. And too much stress on the brain is very similar to too much stress on the heart. And when you have your heart uh, in a moment of stress and is straining too much, you have a heart attack. Well, if your brain and, and your, your mind has too much stress and is straining too much, you have a mental breakdown. Yep. Really, it's, it's a mental attack. It's- That's really, honestly, the better way to put it. Uh, it. And for some reason, unlike heart attacks and any other you know medical emergency there is no immediate like i'm gonna go get help for my mental breakdown from a mental attack yeah anytime that's ever happened to me um i usually will just call a friend and pace around in circles until until my episode is over um if it gets really bad i'll take like a clonopin or something i'll call a friend Mm -hmm. and i'll be like hey yeah i'm having a fucking panic attack right now and usually they'll they'll talk me through it and i just literally pace in circles around my house until i I pace in circles around my house without (laughs) any panic attacks but that's just 
kind of part part of uh, how I, I feel like pacing oh, I, yeah. I can like reset your brain if you're stressed or you're whatever because it's like a basic function you're just moving your body in a very predictable way and talking to yourself can sometimes help too even though it makes you look like you're yeah you know, insane fucking crazy yeah <laughs> for sure i mean yeah it's kind of weird talking to yourself when you live alone because you really yeah you really do start to feel like two people like you, yeah. you feel like you're separated from your body it's a I, I did that quite a lot when I was, you know, living with my dad in Oklahoma City, you know, I was dealing with that stress of that, and I was just alone a lot, so I would have those times where I'd just be talking to myself, and I just, you know, and so, yeah, it would, it would kind of, it would be this weird thing. Yeah, you're almost you like know? having a weird out-of-body, if you do it for long enough, you start having this weird kind of almost out-of-body sensation to where it's like, well, if I'm talking to... If I'm talking, who I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. Even I, I'm I'm probably well, well. No, no. What it is, it's probably like you. It, it becomes a coping mechanism, and it also at the same time it becomes so normal for you that it, it you kind of in a way, yeah. It becomes normalized, and how it becomes normalized is this whole thing that you're actually talking to somebody else, but really you're just talking to yourself, and so. I'm really wondering if there is like a legit like addiction that some people have to that kind of thing where they're just talking to themselves all the time. They can't, you know, deal with problems or issues without talking to themselves. And I'm wondering what that does, you know, with relationships. Like you could have moments where, you know, you're just talking to yourself and then your your significant other would be like, what the fuck? Like, I, <laughs> I'm right here. And you'd just be like, I don't know, in a trance. You, you kind of lost me there a little bit. No, I know. That's the whole point. Because <laughs> it's, it's fucking weird. It's crazy. Um, I, I just, it's just one of those things that I just thought it, it you know, just be kind of interesting. Like, if there is... But I'm pretty sure there is some I'm gonna kind of... I'm going to start keeping more of an eye on you, Mac. <laughs> I don't quite trust you anymore. So, uh, speaking of crazy, crazy, in May of 1999... Uh, four years after Taylor's disappearance, two hikers exploring Decker Canyon near Malibu Beach discovered the rusted shell of his van. Taylor's remains were inside. The cause of death was a blunt force trauma, but authorities can't determine whether his death was a suicide, an accident, or a homicide. That's interesting. Yeah, because... Because uh, you would think that it would have been an obvious suicide uh, at this yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, or... Uh, is it still technically suicide if it was like a decision you made when you weren't in your right mind? You know, I guess it would be because you killed yourself. It doesn't yeah. matter what frame of mind you're in. You still you're They're not going to be like, oh, your crazy version of yourself killed yourself. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Death by insanity or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, suicide seems like something that should be only labeled when it was like a conscientious kind of i don't know and i get you on that but i think they just don't want to because like you know how you can't stand trial uh if you're not you know deemed sane because you're not you know in your right mind it's mm -hmm. almost like the same thing with like calling it a suicide it's like did he really kill himself though if he wasn't in his i mean yes technically he did but yeah i don't fucking know whatever yeah i don't think it was really a, i don't really think it was a homicide either um i don't think that there was some organization after his technology and I mean, that is like the first train of thought that like a paranoid 
uh, kind of more on the schizophrenic well, I mean, look side. At the, look, look, look at the comments on this. This guy was murdered. Nobody like him calls 911. They just do it. Nobody like him warns his father. He fears for his life. Nobody like him says, don't think I've killed myself and then kills himself. Professional hit, either CIA or corporate hitmen. Either way, it was centered on money. And the thing is, also another uh, mysterious thing about this case that uh, was not mentioned in this unsolved.com synopsis is that he was actually seen by multiple different people before he he killed himself. So there was a lot of people who were like, oh yeah, I saw him at my garage sale. Or some electronic store or something. Yeah. Yeah. He was at a bar too at one point. Yeah, but so that, this is kind of, that uh, happens a lot though um, in these cases that we've seen. Yeah. That happens a lot where someone goes missing or someone's murdered and all these people swear up and down, oh no, I saw her you know, th- in some other town, 30 miles away at this bar, I'm sure it was her. And I mean, that, you know, I got confused for a fucking known pedophile here in Jacksonville. Uh-huh. And uh, I saw I finally uh, figured out who the guy was that they were confusing me for. And I looked nothing like this That's guy. Crazy. But yet some girl saw me at a party and said, that's, you know, uh, I won't say the guy's name because it's it's conjecture at this point, but it's pretty well known that he's a, a, uh-huh. a pedo. Um, she's, I'll just say John Smith. She's like, oh, my God, that's John Smith. I'm sure of it. And and pointed to me. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then when I finally saw the picture of the dude who it actually was. It, it, we were both Caucasian. That was literally the only thing we had in common. Yeah. And it's like, bitch. You could have really fucked my life up by accusing uh-huh. me of, you know, identifying me wrongly like that. Like, get, like, get your shit together. And I mean, not to mention she was at a party, so she was probably drunk, you know. But yeah, that was. Uh... So, yeah, uh... my point of saying all that is misidentification <laughs> is is a very, very real thing. Someone can look nothing like uh, a, a, a flyer or a composite drawing. And you'll still have some dumbass mm-hmm. out there going, "Oh no, I'm sure it was him." So I don't put any, I don't put any credence on that, yeah. unless they can mention some clue about the person that is very specific to them. Like, oh, they yeah. they had the the snake tattoo on the forearm, you know. If it's something like that that you can factually like I like match with the person who's missing, then that I do believe. But if they're just going off of a physical description, I don't I don't ever really put any credence in that. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of things that I don't put uh, a credence in, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't either, some of these conspiracy theories with no evidence. The FBI killed him. Uh, he, you know, he says he's going to kill himself and hangs up. Why make the call? He wanted to make sure he was found, then he would simply would have kept the line open. Maybe it was a test to see if his software would find him. Or maybe it was just a trial stunt gone wrong. And then someone was like, Maybe he wasn't the one who made the call. I mean, pretty sure the wife could have been able to identify that if they... You know. Yeah, I know. And then, uh, Leafy is... Is that actually Leafy? Is, it's probably not really Leafy is here. Like, there's no way the real Leafy is here would actually be commenting on, on soft. Oh, someone with the username Leafy is here commented? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. So. People all die at some point anyway. That's all they had to say? Yeah. Oh my god, that's, that's fucking... 
That's a weird <laughs> troll. If for those of you who are unaware, Leafy is here is like uh was a really big YouTuber. Infamous. Infamous. I don't even know what that guy's claim to fame is. Didn't he like wasn't he one of those like he was, just, he was just making videos where he was doing commentaries and and bullying you know people that's really what his claim to fame he was just was. a Keemstar ripoff or whatever well he was doing stuff before Keemstar he was doing a lot of videos where he'd be like shitting on nerds uh, and doing all this other stuff I will say uh, Leafius here is a a a very uh, good looking man really if if I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> last time I checked let me let me look him up again I forgot. <laughs> Uh, before I, before I, see. he has no chin. <laughs> Leafy is here. Let me see images. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a he's a good looking guy. He, he is. He almost looks like a female. He's got pretty eyes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might be a little gay for Leafy. Uh, Josh is finding the beauty in, in every, everything. That's right. Now. And there's not, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. It's 2020, man. <laughs> Gotta get with the times. Yeah, dude, he looks more female than he does male. I don't think it's, I don't think it's weird for me to say he's, he's a good looking guy. And dare I, no, dare not. I say I'm he's kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's just getting weird now. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know how he looks now, but I'm just yeah. looking at these pictures and. It's, it's getting pretty weird. He look, dude, he looks he looks like a chick. A hot chick. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> 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 oh. This is one this is this is one of those podcasts where there are a lot of moments where you do that thing where you put your finger like in the collar of your shirt and go, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't because I, I don't I don't care. I don't care anymore. I mean you know, the amount of times that people have, like, thought I was gay when they first met me or <laughs> think I'm gay now, I just, I don't care, you know? Well, there's probably people who will just look at you and, yeah, and yeah, just assume Yeah, exactly. That. They look at me, they see uh, I've got, you know, highlighted hair, this blue hair, uh, uh, lip ring, uh, you know, kind of tight jeans, uh, fucking tattoos, and they either think I'm a fuckboy or they think that I'm gay or whatever, uh -huh. and I, I don't care, you know, if I can't, I can't spend my life caring about that, can't spend my life caring about what other people perceive me as, I really, I really don't care. Except for Karens. Karen, Karens? <laughs> yeah. Caring about Karens. I, I do, or I don't care about, what? What you do, right? Why, why do you say that? I don't know, because you were talking about, you know, the Karens and stuff like that earlier. Oh, tonight. no, I was saying I, I was having uh, first world Karen problems is what I was saying. Yeah. I didn't say I cared about Karens. <laughs> I, I especially well, you, it, don't care. The, Karens are, are some of the most judgmental ones out there because they're when I think of a Karen. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you're going to talk about them, then that you do care in some way. Holy shit, not, Mike. Not I don't know what kind of thing, parallel, you're trying to draw here, but it's really making my brain feel <laughs> feel very weird, and I don't like it. So anyway, uh, let's stop this awkwardness and actually get to talking about the next case, which is actually a really heartwarming and yes. uh, sweet uh, Lost Loves yes. segment. Yes! Sorry, I wanted to be, uh, I don't know what voice this is right now. It's kind of Colonel Sanders and Bill Cosby combined. 
Uh, anyway, this is the case. It's another of, Hangover cast. I actually, I, I, I like uh, the title that the uh, Unsolved Wiki gave it. Saviors of Michelle West. Sounds like it's going to be like a religious uh, case or whatever. Um, I think that's actually what it was titled on on uh, the the unsolved uh, uh, the other uh, thing the other sources that I've seen too. Uh, I think Savior, I think so they could have said like Good Samaritans or something like they, they weren't really saved. Yeah. She, did, she didn't get saved from anything. She was just anyway. This well, they helped her, you know, change her mind about what she was doing. Yeah, they they put the they planted the seed for her to. Uh, change her mind on being a runaway uh this was a patreon request by the way i think both of these were actually so if you would like if you would like your segment that you want talked about talked about then uh consider joining our patreon it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries and if you do the five dollar tier uh not only do you get the podcast early but you can also uh throw your uh suggestion in the hat and we will cover it uh, I have not forgotten about the Australian stuff, Robin. We are going to get to those. Uh, they are they just take up more of our time as far as like watching because you know because uh, we got sent by one of our Austra- uh, our Australian listeners. If I can fucking talk, uh, some DVDs about uh, some infamous uh, Australian cases and murders and all that and and flash drives that have uh, yeah, some flash extra flash stuff drives, too. candy, and I'm gonna make. Uh, an Australian taste test video soon. Uh, my my sense of taste and smell are still not at 100%, so I don't want to uh, do the uh, Australian food disservice by not having full senses of smell. Hopefully it hasn't gone stale by that point. Yeah, well, he sent me, like, potato chips and candy and stuff. You know, that shit normally keeps for a long time because it's just full of preservatives. But I have tried some of it just, you know, because he sent me so much. That I had, you know, and I will say... I haven't tried the candy yet. I need to do that. Really? It's been months. The Tim Tams are the shit. Uh, I don't know if they sell that. I've had them before. They sell them at the World Market. Do you have a World Market? I don't. In Florida? I do not. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, in Jacksonville, we don't. I don't know about all of Florida. Anyway, this was the case of uh, Michelle West. This was uh, suggested to us, and um, I think this would have been a really good case to talk about. Uh, in the heat of the protest, because it's kind of a nice, um, it's a heartwarming story of, um, you know, it kind of shatters uh, some stereotypes that certain people might have had who watched the show. Um, The premise is basically that this, uh, that this young woman named Michelle ran away from home. and, And anyway, I'll just go into the story and you'll see what I mean. Uh, in 1980, 15-year-old Michelle West ran away from her home in Washington, D.C. to get back to her hometown of San Antonio, Texas. She was upset because she was away from her friends and her parents had given her a curfew. Aww, your life sucks, Michelle. What a crime. Yeah, for real. For realsies. Better call CPS. Yep, yep. She boarded a bus and soon noticed that men were watching her to see if she was alone. Uh, she felt scared because she would be unable to protect herself. Also, none of her family or friends knew where she was. This was such a dangerous thing for her to do. Yes. Just like asking to be like abducted and put into sex trafficking. That happens all yes. the fucking time yep. to runaways. They're, they're captured and made into sex workers. It's sad. Mm-hmm. 
While at a stop in North Carolina, three African-American men boarded the bus. At first, Michelle was afraid of them, especially because one had several scars. Um, now, this taps into the psyche of a lot of white people, and that's what I meant, meant by this, this segment um, was kind of a social um, benefit, in a way, a social service, because, you know, we need more stories like this. We need We need more stories of you know, oh, I'm afraid of the scary black man because I'm a white person and they're going to yeah. attack me or whatever. Uh, like, this is a better example of, like, checking your privilege, but in a way that doesn't seem like it's heavy-handed. You know, because it's like, hey, you know, some people uh, are, you know, you really should not judge by, you know, their cover, right. you know, by, by the color of their skin. Right. And it, you shouldn't judge them by the color of their skin, period. And, you know, it's just fucked up and wrong. Like, and, and a lot of people would have felt like a lot of white people would have felt like Michelle in, in that moment. They would have been like, oh, black guys, I'm afraid because you fear what you don't know and you don't understand. And so if you don't if you don't spend a lot of time around. Well, also, because there's probably other, you know, what they've learned, the, the behavior, stereotypes, the, right, the stereotypes that they've learned in the media or from, you know, the ones around them. So, you know, it depends on their environment. And if they're in an environment which is essentially training them and showing them that, oh, you you better be watching those, you know, thugs or whatever. Yeah, you know, you take, you, you know, it, it, I don't think it helped that. I think a lot of white people's perception of black people were what they saw on the news and, you know, hip hop music videos. And they just they just kind of assume that, you know, oh, well, that just must be black culture. And, you know. It took me like working at um you know Applebee's uh on this in this you know predominantly black part of town and some of other my DJ gigs to really be in the culture uh of you know African Americans and see that you know they liked to they like to have fun and get down and you know let loose in, in the same way that uh well I wouldn't say same way I would say honestly uh the black people at the gigs I did uh, tended to have a lot more fun and they seemed a lot less reserved than my gigs that were predominantly white. It seemed like, <laughs> I don't know what it was. It seemed like white people just were a lot more reluctant to like, like let loose and have fun. But um, I don't know. It taught me a lot though. I, I made friends with a lot of people that I wouldn't normally make friends with, to be honest with you. I mean, some of these black guys were, you know, uh, older and, you know, had, you know, uh, like they were like dads and had, you know, normal jobs and all this other kind of stuff. And it's like, when would I ever come in contact with someone like that who would even talk to me or I would talk to them? And it was through, I guess, music, you could say. And uh, so uh -huh. it kind of helped, you know, with because, you know, I grew up in the South. We grew up, you know, in our own little bubble surrounded by people who were similar to you. So I didn't spend a lot of time hanging out with black people. And I think that I may be... Um, you know, made uh, came up with some of my own uh, perceptions that may or may not have been true. And then I kind of found they weren't true. And anyway, so I feel like that's what this episode kind of did to a certain degree as well. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people might be rolling their eyes right now and going, oh, why are you harping on this so much? Because I feel like this uh, is something that uh, should kind of be harped on every now and then, you know, and, and because I think when it's not talked about, then the perceptions and the stereotypes persist. And that's why we've had the trouble that we've had in this country for so long, you know. Any fucking way, um, getting off my pedestal now, 
Um, at first, Michelle was afraid of these three men. One of them had scars, blah, blah, blah. However, as the trip continued, she realized that they uh, nicknamed, um, well, their nicknames Doc, Tiny Feet, and Sunshine were nice people and made her feel more comfortable. She learned from them that they were all truckers and that their nicknames were also their CB handles. Like, And speaking of uh, these three uh, Good Samaritans, uh, this is another good example of some really good performances by the actors. Yeah. Uh, you bought that they were longtime friends. They had great chemistry, and the lines of dialogue they were given were genuinely, you know, witty, believable, and, you know, like believable, believable, real people dialogue, not yes. not like fake ass TV show sitcom or how how white writers think black people talk dialogue, which yeah. could have been easily could have went that mm-hmm. way. Um, this easily could have been corny if you give if just reading the premise and having to like make an episode about this premise could have easily gone really bad and corny, but they did it really well. Um, Yeah, they did. So she learned that doc was a deacon in North Carolina. Um, Tiny feet talked to her about his family. See, I don't like how this article is written. Yeah. She learned that doc was a deacon from North Carolina and um, his name was doc because and it's not saying this in the fucking article, but his name was doc because he had uh, a verse from the Bible to quote for any physical ailment that you would have, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then Tiny Feet was called Tiny Feet because he actually yeah. had, like, really huge Yeah, he had feet. enormous feet. Um, so Tiny Feet talked to her about his family. Uh, when they asked her about herself, she lied, claiming that her name was Lisa and that she was 18. But overall, she felt much safer with them. Michelle, uh, Michelle who was going by Lisa, felt even better when they were in Atlanta and they helped another runaway who was being harassed by two men. Um, she realized that they were good Samaritans who were willing to help others along with herself. At this point, she finally told them the truth about being a runaway. Uh, they told her that her parents were probably very worried about her and that she should call them as soon as possible. And they handled it so well. I mean... It's not that whole sort of like, you know, what are you doing? You know, dumb bitch. You're being stupid. You know, you're being stupid. Right. Go back, you know, call your parents. You know, they're really worried about you. Uh, you think this is bad? This is nothing. You know, they didn't really handle her being honest and telling them, you know, that she's not 18. She's a runaway. Tells them about the curfew and all of that. They didn't laugh in her face, you know? Yeah. They handled it in a really good way. So, which honestly is not always the way that that is always handled. No, with that kind of situation. No, I mean you know that that's like I think every father's worst nightmare is that their kid runs away, or you know, especially if they have a daughter, because you know y- women are preyed upon. I I would say more than than uh, men are. Uh, I think that's a pretty. It's pretty safe to say that, and you know the dad's thought is, oh, my 16-year-old daughter is run away, and now these three men uh, are, you know, approaching her, and like that's every father's worst nightmare, but, you know, these three particular guys were, like, you know, the best thing that could have happened to her in that situation. When the bus yeah. got to Mississippi, the three men got off, and they again told Michelle that she should call her parents. Before leaving, Doc gave her his business card and asked her to promise him that she would call. And, um, 
you know, he was also like, if you ever need a place to stay, let me know, blah, 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 please write. And it was Sunshine who actually, he uh, came up again and came up to the side of the bus and once again reminded her, you know, to, to call call her parents, yeah. you know, just do one thing for me, please, you know, just call call your parents. Right. She agreed and said goodbye to them. She was too afraid to do so directly, so she decided to call her first she was too afraid to call her parents directly this article is written so poorly yeah um so she decided to call her friend whom she asked to do so So she was too afraid to call her fucking parents on her own so she had her friend do it jesus christ people i mean i don't think it's that bad uh it could be my my mild dyslexia and mild hangover fucking up my readability yeah yeah. but any but anyway yeah uh I, it's understandable. I mean, we've all been in situations where we have done something and that we don't want to tell our parents because we're 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 afraid that they're going to go nuclear on us. Yeah, like when you've beyond fucked up, you know, like you're you, like when you're mm-hmm. a kid or a teenager, and you know, you do you do things that you know you're going to get in trouble for, but then like you do something that it's like like say you took your mom's car without permission and you got it in a wreck. You you beyond yeah. fucked up. Your parents are uh. going to beyond kill you. Like that was, I, I would imagine that's how this situation is. But what kids don't realize, I think, is a lot of times the parents just are at that point just want them back safe. You know, they don't care. Uh, well, yeah, with the runaway thing, like they're still going to be upset and they're going to be very disappointed in you. But you know, I they they're probably not going to resort to you know abuse. But you know, it, it also depends on you know the family dynamic. Yeah. That would suck if she got home and just got bitched out and grounded and shit. Yeah. Um, now your curfew is forever. Yeah. <laughs> now you have to go to bed by 6 p.m. That'll teach you. Um, so anyway, when um, when she got back to the bus, she began talking to another runaway and gave her some food. She realized that the men had affected her in a positive way because she wanted to help people now. She also realized after listening to the stories of other runaways that her home life was really not as bad as she thought. She then decided to go back home to her family. Now, 14 years later, Michelle wants to find the men to thank them for changing her life. And providing her with some very valuable uh, bits of perspective. Yeah. You know, on her own life. Yeah, I'm sure for the rest of her life, she, she was probably not, you know... Her attitude towards African Americans weren't the stereotypes that a lot of, uh, you know, white people might have. Uh, I'm sure she had the perspective of, hey, you know, like, don't don't judge someone based on stupid bullshit. Judge them on the content of their character. So anyway, yeah. the results of this, it was solved. Doc, Doc, whose real name is Jesse Garrett, was watching the broadcast on Lifetime and contacted Sunshine whose real name is Bill Polite, which is fucking hilarious, because he was very polite. Yeah, he was. They uh, soon contacted Michelle. Sadly, they had lost contact with Tiny Feet, but Michelle was still happy to talk to them again and be able to thank them. They were happy to learn that they had such a positive effect on her life. Now, if that's not fucking heartwarming, I don't know what is. Well, here's a negative, though. Like, I, I really... I was very disappointed that we didn't see an actual update, you know, a video update of them actually reuniting. And, you know, oh, talk to one another. Right. Yeah. That they didn't actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that this didn't 
quite warrant a face-to-face update. Um, I think it was... Uh, I think a phone call was probably about as much as this really warranted. Because honestly, uh, you know, like, they, they had some, like... Um, segments on well i mean for me personally i think it's every bit is you know yeah about the lost you know loves and family and all that but i mean in this instance like they did have an incredibly positive effect on her life and you know who knows what might have happened if 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 she didn't you know meet these these men on on that bus you know yeah i don't know she might actually not might not be here i'm reminded of the lost loves episode that i like where the uh the african-american dude and the uh hawaiian dude were in vietnam oh yeah that one And a lot of people were picking on the hawaiian dude because he looked you know asian Uh and you know they were fighting the vietnamese and they were making all these like like really fucked up asian remarks to the guy about like oh Mm -hmm. you look like the enemy and blah 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 and and, like the african-american dude stepped in and like defended him and helped him and you know, yeah, and or the nurse, or the nurse, you know, the military nurse, yeah, the that, nurse, you know, the guy back, guy. To yeah, it's like those I could understand, mm-hmm. like having an actual video of them reuniting, but this one, eh, you know, she ran away. The, the the guys convinced her to not, you know, do that and go back to her parents. I don't know if it warranted a, uh, you know, but get you know, fly them out to wherever, and uh, you know, I, don't, I mean, I guess it could have happened if they had. If they were down for it, but maybe they weren't. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, heartwarming story. Uh, that that was a a good lost love segment. I'm telling you, man, those lost loves were designed to bring you down from the fear of uh, murderers and and mental and breakdowns. mental breakdowns. <laughs> like for real, that yeah. show had a method to their all their. And I think that's why people are so upset with the new unsolved mysteries because. I keep hearing left and right about, oh, I hate how it's just one story per episode. I hate how there's no narrator, blah, blah, blah. And and because you, whether you realize it or not, you do perceive that there were design choices and the, a method to the madness with the original Unsolved Mysteries that the new Unsolved Mysteries just doesn't have. Um, mm-hmm. I just think the new Unsolved Mysteries is a good watch. I'm not saying I'm not even going to try to draw comparisons because there is no comparison. You're never going to be able to compare anything to Unsolved Mysteries. It was lightning in a bottle. It ex- it could have only existed when it had existed in the 90s. There's no way that it could get brought back and be anywhere near as good. No matter what they did, no matter what aesthetic they had, no matter what narrator, how many episodes, I just don't think... Because I just think there's so much nostalgia and so much magic with Robert Stack in particular that you're just never going to bring it back the same way. Oh, yeah. It's not. So people just need to accept that and view the new Unsolved Mysteries not as a continuation, but just a good watch. It's a good watch. Most of the stories are good. The UFO one sucked. Uh, Maybe we'll get a ghost one in the next season. We'll see how they handle the ghost segments because those were pretty big i think it's an i think it's the next part of uh the first season not not the next season. oh that's how they're doing it okay yeah volume one came out and that then it's gonna be volume they're two. probably gauging people's interest or something because i think they already shot those episodes the ghost one's already been done it's just they haven't you know they haven't decided to release it yet that's why they split it up into volumes remember they mentioned something about 12 episodes i think that have already been done hmm 
So I think that's that's what what's what's going to happen here. It's, there's going to be a second volume. Just like there's going to be another Joe Exotic thing. Oh, Did you hear about no, that? No, I didn't. It's called Surviving Joe Exotic, oh, an God. Animal Planet please, uh, thing. Because no. Animal Planet actually apparently uh, shot some footage before he got uh, arrested. While he was still I running so, the, the tiger, I, I, I am farm. so like burnt. I am. Ugh, I just did not like that documentary. In fact, like as time goes on, and the more I think about it, like I kind of hate it. Like I kind of hate Tiger King. I don't like Joe Exotic. The memes were fucking stale as soon as they came out. Like the that bitch Carol Baskin was funny for like a week. I'm just. I'm over it, man. I'm over Tiger King, and I. I, it's unfortunate that they're dragging it out. It's it's like, hey, let's laugh at this idiot some more, this clown. I don't know. It's stupid. Anyway, uh, speaking of laughing at this. speaking of laughing at a clown, um, this we are now moving on to our final segment of the podcast, which is the perks of being a Josh Flower. Uh, I recently. Uh, uncovered my diaries that I kept online on this website called Zanga.com, which is now defunct. Uh, but before they went under, I was able to download my all my diary entries into these XML files. So I still have all the the raw, you know, data. You know, I don't have the page or anything. Like you could probably go on the internet wayback machine to find that. But anyway, so. I've been reading from the I read from it last episode. Everyone seemed to really like it. So I'm just going to read a few of these every week and comment. And it's just kind of a fun exercise in going back to that time in my life when I was a teenager. And, um, you know, just my obsession with having girlfriends, with not being good enough, with being overweight, uh, saying the word gay. These are all huge themes uh, in in the perks of being a Josh Flower, uh, I finally made sense of these XML, XML documents, and I found my uh, very first entry, um, which isn't very interesting. I just said, "Oh, I finally made one of these." Blah blah blah. But um, now, now the entry that I'm reading is from Monday, July twelfth, two thousand and four. So this is sixteen years ago. I was fifteen years old. 15-year-old Josh, what's going through your head? Here we go. Hey, stupid-ass Zanga. I'm tired of not having... <laughs> I'm tired of not having a girlfriend. God, it pisses me off so bad. I hate people who lead other people on and people who are just stupid fucking idiots when it comes to guys. <laughs> Girls want everything, and I can only give them nothing because apparently in this stupid fucking day of age, love is not enough. Dude, I'm so tired of this shit but suicide is not an option. I know I'm never going to do that, and I'm never going to hurt myself on purpose, i.e. cutting myself. I just can't wait till I'm older. I'm leaving this fucking town and all the dumb fucks who are in it. This girl named Lindsay I like, I like her a lot, and she likes this stupid fucking idiot, Chris, who hasn't even hit puberty yet. My God, why? <laughs> Fuck, why aren't I good enough for you? Fuck this shit is so fucking gay. Ah, I think being fat has to be the worst punishment ever anyone could ever put on you. And I know that has a lot to do with my problems, but fuck if I can do anything about it. Oh, I guess that'd be, but fuck if I can do anything about it. I tried so hard to lose weight, but if you were fat, you would understand. 
It's pretty sad when that's the thing that keeps girls from paying attention attention to you. It's pretty fucked up life. Uh, life is fucked up. And these words on this stupid electronic website can never express my pain! Exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> you were so entitled. Dude, dude, I remember exactly who Lindsay and Chris were. Chris is the same Chris who is who was the douchebag Nintendo NES mini scalper? Remember me? Oh, remember me talking about him? Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was that Chris. This was we. Wow. I know what prompted this post too because I went to Lindsay's pool party when I was like around fifteen, and uh-huh. um, there were all these chicks there in bathing suits, and I was like a dog in heat. I was so yeah. turned on, and. These chicks were like 15, so they were starting to get women bodies, like curves and titties and all uh-huh. that. And I was just like, you know, I was still at that point where I was like swimming in the pool with my shirt on like a loser. Yeah. Like you're that fucking uh, you're like that wolf in that cartoon with his, you know, its tongue hanging out. Yeah. The, so all just that, all that. just a tip for bigger people, like bigger guys, like don't ever swim in a pool with your shirt on i don't care how embarrassed you might be of your stomach it looks way worse to everyone to leave your shirt on because it's obvious yeah, it's obvious it's fucking obvious and i know with like you might as well be wearing a shirt that says i'm a fat I, ass. I, i'm insecure as fuck you know yeah own own your body and people you know will be a lot more comfortable around you if you just own it like that was my problem i didn't know how to own shit i was just like I'm embarrassed, but so I mean, I was at this this pool party, and dude, these chicks were just like turning me on, and Lindsay uh-huh. especially. God, she developed quick, and Chris was just this little twiggy, scrawny boy. I mean, women mature so much faster than guys do at that age, and I remember they like made out at the party, and I was so jealous of Chris. And the only reason I... I'm just imagining you just standing in the pool with your arms crossed. <laughs> yeah, with my shirt on. The, my, what, with a shirt my soaking on, wet shirt. And just this look on your face, you know, you're just like mad. Oh, you know, and here's... A meme-worthy kind yeah. of photo with your... your <laughs> and here here's a, a bonus for this, um, for this post. So my friend who... Well, she... I say she was my friend, but she was kind of a bitch to me. Uh, she was a grade above me, and I don't remember how we became friends, but her name was Lisa Driscoll, and she would comment on my Zanga posts every now and then, and this XML document actually includes the comments from people <laughs> that they made back then, and so and Lisa was pretty fucking hot back in the day, too, but she wanted nothing to do with me. Uh, uh, well, that was every girl. That, was, that went without saying. Uh-huh. So she got comments to that post I just made. She goes, Okay, being fat has nothing to do with it. I don't have a problem with fat people. You're the only one that does. And stupid-ass popular people. But if you like this girl, you shouldn't... Uh, if she, You shouldn't if she thinks that. Because that is a bunch of bullshit. And I know tons of people like you who have girlfriends or boyfriends. You're just chasing after the wrong girl. Lisa. No, oh, she was trying to give you a reality check. Yeah, she was trying to give me a reality check. And I probably wasn't... I, I don't think I responded to it. I don't see that in here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the worst thing ever is to be fat. Yeah, well... I'm like, I'm like, wouldn't the worst thing ever to be, like... Paralyzed uh, from the neck down. Like, if, if, from, your, from your perspective at that time. 
the unattractive, the like, <clears throat> no, the fact that no woman will ever want you. Like, wouldn't that be worse than being fat? It, it was it was the same thing. Josh? It was the same thing. No one yeah. ever wanting you and being fat it was equal to me at that point because yeah. no one wanted mm-hmm. me anyway. Yeah. And I knew yeah. and okay, I say I knew it was because I was fat, but honestly, if I, if I break it down, well, I, to honestly, really, if I'm being honest, my weight did have a lot to do with it because when you're that when yeah. you're that age, you're so shallow, and if you're oh, you yeah. know if you're overweight to the extent that I was, uh, yeah, that, you know. You, but then you had the confidence, you know, the lack of self-confidence and, you know, stuff like that. And that not to mention, when you're that age, you look like a boy. So being a fat yeah. boy with, girl, like, this cherubic face. and Because when you get older and you get more grizzled as you age when you're a guy, you can be fat, but you can have that, like, big bear look to you. And some women find that attractive. And they're like, you know, they feel protected and all that. So you at least got that going for you. But when you're that age, you know, hairless, you know, high voice and fat, it's you've got nothing going for you as a guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, this one is from uh, in my bipolar ass. Uh, this looks like a positive one. This one's from Wednesday, July 14th, 2004. Hey, Zanga, it's Wednesday, July 2004. Dude, oh, my God. I just came home from my best friend Josh's house and I had a blast. We went to Itchituckney River, and that sucked. I was cold, tired, and miserable, <laughs> and annoyed. He had a blast. <laughs> then we went to this river. <laughs> Fucking sucked. And instantly, I start complaining. <laughs> I just said I had a blast, and now I'm bitching. Oh god, I was such an insufferable little cunt. <laughs> I was cold, tired, and miserable, and annoyed. But this is where it all turns around, people. But then I went to Josh D's band practice and I got to play bass with them. That kicks ass. Dude, I cannot express in type the fun I had over there. And if I can learn the bass lines, I'm going to play a show at Murray Hill Theater August 31st. And if we win, we will have our own show. I'm so stoked. This is the best thing that has ever happened to me besides being saved. Oh my God, I still, <laughs> I still was drinking the Kool-Aid back then. I was deep in yeah. I was deep in the flavor aid, people. I won't be able to sleep tonight. I have always wanted to be in a band. It's the most fun I've ever had besides porta potty tipping at Kaylee's party. But man, if I become famous What? Okay, <laughs> so there was this chick named Kaylee and she used to have these parties in, when I was in sixth grade. And yeah. me and my friends would uh, I was still fat in sixth grade, by the way. Um I was pretty much fat from like age like nine to like age like 18 so basically all wow. of my teenage years it's like i actually you know once i changed to a different medication i i started losing weight fast. wait actually no i was still fat when i uh actually from age nine until like age 22 i 23 wow. 23 is when i really lost a lot of weight yep so for most of my young life i was fat so there you go uh, that's why I'm the bastard that I am today. But no, Kaylee had these parties and uh, her house was kind of out in the woods. And me and my friends from uh, school would go there and it was just so much fun. You had all this serotonin flowing through your brain because you were like a kid and you were just you always just felt good because, you know, you, you never had any drugs in your system at that point. Everything was still new uh-huh. in your body, like brand new kidneys, brand new liver, like everything was just yeah. working so you just always felt good and happy 
you know, and, and mm. until you didn't, you know, everyone had, you know, until you hit puberty and chemical changes in your brain and you're always depressed. But anyway, before you hit puberty, <laughs> in general, you're happy as a kid. And we would go to her house and there was this subdivision being developed behind her house through the woods. And we would walk through the woods and we would walk through the subdivision and all these shells of houses being built. And it was so creepy and fucking cool and so fun. And we were just be we were just being kids. We'd run through the empty houses and explore and we would tip over porta potties, which seemed like such a great idea at the time. Uh-huh. And now I look back and I'm like, that is so douchey. Like it is <laughs> like the 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 workers showed up on Monday morning and they're like, what the fuck, man? These stupid fucking kids dumped over a port. Now we got to call the porta potty company. They got to come out. Uh-huh. They got to they got to san- bring us a new one. Oh my god, these little pieces of shit kids. Uh, we those damn kids. <laughs> but at the time, back you know, going back to my journal entry at the time, that was uh, that was like one of the highlights of my life was going to her parties just in general. Cause then you also had like the beginnings of, you know, being like finding, you know, the opposite, finding a group, the opposite sex attractive. And so that you had that tingling in your balls where you're just kind of like, Ooh, Megan's going to be there. And you go, Kaylee's going to be there. And uh, maybe I'll kiss them. You know, that was all you thought about. You never, (laughs) you didn't think, Oh, I'm going to fuck the shit out of that bit. No, you didn't think about any of that. You're like, Oh, maybe, maybe we'll go in the, uh, Oh, I just had this cringy memory that's flooding back to me. <laughs> I had this strategy one time going to because Kaylee was famous for her parties. I had uh-huh. this strategy where I was going to I was going to really hit on Megan, her friend, who was one of my best friends at the time, too. What I was going to do was I was going to steal some cigarettes from Kaylee's older sister. Oh, my because her older God. sister smoked cigarettes. I was going to steal like a bunch of cigarettes. I was going to be like fucking James Dean. I was going to take <laughs> Megan in the woods and I was going to like get her to smoke a bunch of cigarettes. And then when she was like in my mind, this is how it was going to work. And then when she was really buzzed from smoking the cigarettes, then I would make my move on her. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> fucking idiot. God. So, so your plan was to. <laughs> yeah, basically drug to... her and then take advantage yeah. of her essentially was what I was wanting to do. But cigarettes don't even. No, they don't even. They don't even. They don't even make you like. They don't even like lower your inhibitions. They just make you more like. uh, You know, they they might make you a little bit more stimulated as far as like drinking coffee. Like they might make you feel more awake or whatever. They're not gonna make you uh, like drunk or anything. But that's just. Anyway, that was twelve or thirteen year old Josh's mindset. So going back to this diary entry here. Blah, blah, blah. Most fun I've ever had besides porta pie tipping at Kaylee's party. But man, if I become famous, I will one, get money, get or get to move away from Jacksonville. Two, get money, make music <laughs> with my best friend because Josh was in the band. My best friend growing uh-huh. up was named Josh as well. Three, get to play in front of all those people. Four, get to do what I love best for a living. Five, if I get big enough, I won't have to work. Six, I get a lot of money. Seven, I get to rub it in everyone's faces that that little fat kid who nobody thought was anything is now playing for a really famous band. Wow, that will be so awesome. I'm so excited. I have another chance to practice this Friday. And the thing is, I don't know if I'm in the band yet, but Josh told me I was pretty much in. Oh man, if I get famous, that would be the biggest fuck you to all my enemies and even some of my quote unquote friends. Okay, well, I think I'm done here. Josh. 
<laughs> hair it flip was it, yeah, it's literally. Just, it's always the it's hair always flip. The hair flip. I, all I, I was so fucking vengeful. Like I was so <laughs> full of anger. I was Elliot Rogers incarnate, dude. Yeah, that's why I related to that story so much because. Uh, I, I, you're like, oh my god, I wasn't. Dude, I totally, <laughs> I totally related. No, I was. I was complete incel. Yeah, complete. Yeah. Someone commented, "Who was this?" Commented this. Oh, I. Okay, so the, Lisa comments on this one too. She gives. She says, "Dude, if you become famous, I am so coming over to see your huge ass mansion." And she spelled it M A N C H I O N. He he. <laughs> I always thought it would be cool to be in a band, but I don't. Never played anything. But I don't never played anything. <laughs> Thomas plays guitar, so I hope he becomes famous. He he he's pretty good, but he complains about how he sucks. Thomas was her boyfriend, who was much skinnier uh-huh. than I was. Although I didn't think he was good looking, I thought he looked weird. Um, so yeah, do we do we want to <laughs> do one more? Or? I mean, if you want, all right, we'll do one more and then we'll wrap it up. Oh, this is a, this is a long one. Thursday, July fifteenth, two thousand four. So at this point. I went from not wanting a Zanga at all and my friend having to create one for me. I went from that to literally riding in this bitch every day. So Is it is it just me or does Zanga sound like a fucking pharmaceutical drug? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> well, Xanax and Zanga are kind of close together in the spelling, whatever. Now now I wanted a Zanga every day. <laughs> God. Zanga, if you're feeling bad about being fat, talk to your doctor about Zanga. <laughs> Um, all right, so anyway, Thursday, July 15th, 2004. Well, it's like midnight exactly, and I am bored as hell, and I am lonely again. It seems like my whole life is loneliness and tiredness. It's like this unrelenting fog or being stuck in a fishbowl. You can move around in the fishbowl, and you can go different places in a fishbowl, but you're still stuck in a small bowl in the corner of a room. That's how my whole entire life is. I feel like everything is ex- everyone is exploring the world and having fun and going on vacations and staying busy. But what is Josh Cannon doing? Josh is at home. Always. I'm always at my house. Even when I'm somewhere else in my mind, I'm still in my house. I'm not free. My imprisoned soul. Trapped by what? Who would know? Not me, that's for sure. No one can know for me. Obviously not because only this horrible body knows this horrible soul. There are things about myself that no one will ever know, but why should I share with them? Some random person driving by and reading my Zanga? It's like this... uh, What? what, Hold on. See this bad writing. It's like... Random person driving by? I guess I meant like some (laughs) random person surfing the web and happening upon this. I know, but... Uh, it's like, this is so personal, and all you have to do is go to Zanga.com and read Fail Your Fives Entry, and my whole heart is just poured out right there, and then you hit X in the corner of the screen and go on with your life. It seems like I'm trying to sell myself to you or something. I don't know. It. Uh, I don't know. I just only want my close friends to see this, but I know those of you who judge will see it too, and I'm ready to face you. A lot of people want to be true to uh, their girlfriends, boyfriends, parents, and friends, but they can't even be with themselves. And you know, I have finally figured out what that means. And it means to tell your mind something different than what you feel. Like overwhelming thoughts or feelings that you just dismiss. That is not being true to yourself. And it's something that everyone has to do sometimes. I've started to realize that being true to myself will cost me more things than it will gain. 
and I have to keep lying to myself because if I bury this with lies, then it will go away. Fuck this stupid gay shit. Life... <laughs> oh my god. Life, fuck this stupid gay shit life that is so hard, and I don't know who to blame but myself. My worthless self. I'm not worth a shit. Fuck me. Fuck me. Fuck me. Fuck me. Fuck me. I'm shit. I'm shit. I'm shit. Fuck me. Fuck me. I'm worthless. Oh my god. god. Poor Josh. Damn, bruh. Dude, why did I feel this way? Like, what? And you know what's crazy is like, I see T. I know I'm this teenage girl who likes my band. Friend requested me uh-huh. on Facebook, and I see yeah. the shit that she posts, and it's the same exact shit that I'm posting right here. FML. Fuck, fuck my me. Life. I'm worthless. Yeah. I just should kill myself. Blah blah blah. And I'm and like I just can't wrap my head around that now because like it's like that josh does not exist anymore i don't know i don't know who that person is beneath uh the uh dark veneer of that post there actually is some legitimately poignant and interesting anecdotes that you know about the fishbowl yeah and you know some of these other things but then it just devolves devolves. into fuck me fuck me (laughs) fuck me fuck me I know it did devolve, and that that is the perfect way to describe <laughs> that. It, it yeah, I started off prolific and profound, and then it just devolved into just pure emotion, uh, no <laughs> logic, no thought, or anything like that. So my friend Lisa commented again on this one. This one didn't even get a hair flip. There's no there's no hair flip. Yeah, this one was. You don't you don't do. I'm like standing on a bridge on this one. Like, stand- <laughs> yeah, that's. So Lisa commented on this one and she goes, why do you say such things? You are not worthless. What makes you think you're the only one who isn't going places? Pretty much everyone I know doesn't go places. So who cares that who cares? That's life. Deal with it. Everyone else does. I hate it how people say, oh, my life is shit and no one knows how I feel. And everyone goes through the same shit. Some people worse, but it's still the same. Everyone deals with it and moves on. But don't say you're worthless because you're not. You're my friend, so that's not worthless. Dude, that almost oh. made me, like, emotional just then. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, I used to think she was a bitch, but she was, like, so, like, at the time, I thought Lisa was, like, really harsh and, like, because she, mm-hmm. she didn't handle me with the kid gloves that I felt yeah. entitled to. But she was... She was giving you the reality check because she actually cared yeah, about Yeah, she was clearly way more mature than I was. And she was only a year older than me. So maybe I'll reach out to her and, you know, say what's up and be like, yo, <laughs> I've been reading my old Zanga shit. And let me tell you, you were you were <laughs> a lot better of a friend than I guess I ever gave you credit for. All right. Well, mm-hmm. fuck, man. I hope some of you guys can relate to those feelings. Um, I'm sure you can. Uh, that was the perks of being a Josh flower. Um, the next entry will be the next podcast. Uh, so I was 15 then, and these these entries go all the way until 2000, and uh, I want to say 14. So wow. you get all the way up to like kind of modern Josh. But you can see the early stages of my band desires, uh, my ambitions to be a musician, and those haven't gone away. And literally the only thing that I can say that I'm proud of old Josh was that I had the uh, temerity or the uh, drive to stick with music. Tenacity. I stuck with music. 
I mm-hmm. developed my skills, and now it's yeah. you know finally coming to fruition. With but well, you're probably glad that other you know certain aspects of old Josh you know are not really a part. Well, I said the only thing I, I was saying the only thing yeah. I was proud of my old yeah. self for was sticking to music. Uh-huh. Literally, nothing else was that redeemable about how I used to be. Mm. I can't. I cannot recognize that person. I I don't <laughs> understand. I, I guess I'd have to like this is the person you'd be like shit. What the fuck are you? Dude, I was about, a beaten. You, I was a beaten little, pu- little uh, shit. I was a kicked puppy, man. <laughs> like I literally had yeah. suffered emotional abuse. I guess, and and uh-huh. I've worked through that since yeah. then. And now I have good for you a sense of self worth and all the other shit that you get when you mm-hmm. when you unfuck yourself. All right, that's the podcast, guys. <laughs> <You> unfuck- <laughs> I think that's a good term for what I did. I unfucked myself. Yeah, I, I actually do think it is, but it's it's funny. Yeah. It definitely is funny. Why don't you go unfuck yourself? Yeah, <laughs> right. I think someone... Should, if, if anyone had told me that as a kid, I would have been like, Hey, man, fuck you! <laughs> Like instead of like uh, telling somebody you know to go you know go fuck yourself, you just be like go on. Why don't you just go on fuck yourself? Yeah, and then it'd be like what, what? So anyway, guys, this is a podcast. I <laughs> uh, hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to join our Facebook uh, fan group and and talk to us directly, you can do so by going to facebook dot com. Go to the search bar, type in uncovering unexplained mysteries. Uh, our group should pop up. Join the group. It's an awesome group. Everyone's like super cool in there and there's no dicks. Um, and so that's something you can do. I already mentioned the Patreon, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. If you want to donate to the podcast and uh, get the podcast early and uh, suggest uh, future things for us to cover in future episodes. And finally, if you want more of me and Mike, but you want us maybe separately and in video form, well, guess what? We both have YouTube channels that uh, have unique, amazing content on there that don't really have anything to do with the podcast. It's just kind of our own interests. Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. OCP communications. Uh, Mike is a movie guy. He does a lot of movie reviews and uh, talks about movies. What was the last video you did, Michelle? So the last video I did was a review of Fright Night Part Two. So I've been I've been watching uh, the Fright Night films. So I've been so that's what I've been focusing on is Fright Night reviews. Nice. So um, I'm, my guess is Josh has not seen any nope. of them. No idea what they are. Uh, Josh is selling his channel a little short though when it comes to not having anything to do with this podcast because. <clears throat> That's the reason why this podcast exists in a lot oh, of well, ways. Oh well, I just, I was just, I was just uh, trying to like make the differentiation that I we're know. not, you know, we, our our channels yeah. are about more than we're not just like covering unsolved mysteries constantly. Well, like, yeah, I know, but like your channel actually covers more unsolved mysteries. Yeah, stuff too I, I, than, yeah, and a few does. videos ago, I actually did a, re- a review of uh, the new unsolved mysteries show on Netflix. You know, for those of you who are like, you know, TLDR. Um, you can just go watch that video, um, and I just kind of give my synopsis about it and, um, you know, whatever. Speaking of my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts, dancing with ghosts, with it, which is also the name of my band, which is on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, everywhere that you stream music. It would really mean a lot to me if you would check my band out, uh, but it is also the name of my YouTube channel. I produce my own unique content on there. Some of it's my music, some of it's... Uh, other things, like my last video, I did a review of the Kiss game on Sega Dreamcast called... I like that one a lot. <laughs> it's called Kiss Psycho Circus The Nightmare Child. I think it is one of the worst games on the Sega Dreamcast. 
it's yet another piece of crap that Kiss has released that further tarnishes their brand. Uh, it is a obvious cash grab by Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley to capitalize on the Kiss brand. And uh, the game itself could only be impressive if Doom on the MS-DOS operating system was the last game that you played in your life. Uh-huh. If that's the case, then Kiss Psycho Circus is fucking amazing. But uh, I did a, a full <laughs> review of that game in Paul Stanley Kiss Makeup. That's the first time I heard about that game. And I, and what I was seeing, I was just like, wow. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it was, a piece it was punishing, dude. It was hard. Like, I... I had I had been playing that game like a month before I ever even put the review out because I, I had to take a break from it because I just hated it so much. I'm like, God yeah. damn it. This game is pitch black. It, the the controls are all kinds of fucked up, but it was it was really fun to review it. Uh, I love doing video game reviews, but just so many people do them that I just try to do, do it sparingly. My channel is usually yeah. more music based. I'll do like, you know, uh, my, you know, it's a game so bad that he didn't even bother to like complete it. He was just like, nope, yeah, no. And normally, I, I will complete a game that I review, but it was like so awful. Uh, it because because the game's obviously ba- loosely based on the members of Kiss, so you have to beat the game with all four members through the different levels. And I thought after I beat the game as Paul Stanley, lead singer slash rhythm guitar player, the, the star child, the star bearer, as he's called in the game. Um, I thought the game might be over, but nope. Then you have to go through as Peter Chris, then Ace Freely, then Gene Simmons. And I'm like, fuck this shit. I would rather do my taxes. <laughs> like, I am not playing this. I Rather stare at a yeah, wall. Yeah, <laughs> I, am, I am not completing this piece of shit. Um, but it was fun. Twiddle my thumbs. It was uh, fun doing the Paul Stanley face paint, though, for the video. Um, I haven't put on face paint ever since we retired the uh, face paint look on mm-hmm. stage with Dancing with Ghosts. Um, so that was fun. Um so yeah, if you want to check out that video, go to uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. And uh, yeah, I think with that, uh, that about wraps it up. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, have a good rest of your night. Bye. Love you. Miss you. Kiss you. See ya. See ya.